Welcome to the Sanctus NYC Message Podcast. We are the young adult community of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, built on the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us today as we look to God to lead us into the fullness of the life that he has for us. My family, for the first time, they were here um, for the wedding. They weren't ever able to come to BT. They haven't really been able to explore New York. So all of my wife's family, my family, is here visiting in the back. Can you guys just lift up your hands and wave at everybody? That's my mother and father-in-law. And right up here in the front is my brother-in-law, Nate. For their first week, it just happened to time this way. Um, They have never heard me preach in person before. And for the first sermon that they will ever hear come out of my mouth in person, we're talking about sex. (laughs) That, I don't know who planned that. (laughs) That's a little weird. Um, But that is the theme for today. We're not going to be getting into anything weird or graphic, but we're just going to talk about sex as a part of this series we've been going through. This is the second week of the series called Gen Me. It's like a little entendre instead of Gen Z, Gen Me. Yeah, there we go. Pretty much what this series is about is we live in a world that is constantly feeding to us. This is what is going to bring fulfillment and wholeness and peace into your life. There's nonstop messages, left and right, everywhere you look. Um, Some of the things, what we talked about last week, is the idea of you need to love yourself, live your best life. You got to be the main character in the story of your life. And last week, we talked about how that's the message of the world. Jesus's message is literally the opposite of that. But that you take your eyes off of yourself and you look to him and what he says about you and the life that he wants to give you. And that's where real life is found. That was what we got into about two weeks ago. Today, we will be talking about sex. And so what are we going to be getting into then with that? Before I get into any of the stuff I want to share with you guys tonight, I want to just preface it all with this. So number one, in our culture, there are very few things that could get people as worked up or polarized or angry about issues related to sex. So tonight, recognizing that, I want to make clear to you guys, I am not here for any other reason. This is a church. (laughs) We're here tonight because we believe in Jesus. You know, Jesus in the Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What that means is that God, Jesus, gives this ultimatum of either I am everything or I'm lying and I don't matter at all. For our lives, when it comes to one question I always like asking people who are interested in Christianity or beginning to just work through their walk with God, it always comes down to this question, what do you do with Jesus? Because Jesus himself doesn't give you the option of just saying, He was a good person who was a really good philosopher who said some helpful things that may or may not work for your life. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no life apart from me. I am the filter that helps you to come to understand what truth really is. So Jesus is the filter here in this community that we pass everything through to see whether we believe it's true or not, to see whether we believe it leads to real life or not. And so here we may say some things that understanding it could be somewhat sensitive, maybe it might feel confrontational to a certain degree, and anytime anybody says, this is what I believe is true, that is a little bit of a confrontational statement because that could mean that maybe what else you might believe could be false. Um, And so what we're going to be getting into tonight, I just invite you to listen and hear me out as I begin to paint the picture biblically of what Jesus says life and sexuality is about. Before you maybe shut off or associate what I'm saying with maybe other things you've heard people say in the past, I'm just asking tonight for some fresh ears and openness. I'm not 
just sharing my opinion. I'm here to share with you tonight what I believe is God's word from the Bible. Um, so if you, you're clearly here, you're interested to some extent, so we're going to get into it. And uh, I think it's going to be a good, a good day. Uh, and if my in-laws want to leave now, this would be a good time. <laughs> All right. So we're going through this series. Everything that we are basing the conversation around is this is the message from the world of what life is about, and this is what Jesus says. We're taking things that they're very much opposite. Um, maybe you're not a Christian, and you're hearing another way to be human today. Maybe you're a Christian, but there's some of these things that we could so easily inherit from the world and from, it's like one thing we were saying last week, don't even just take what I say as authoritative. Like, we're going to get to this in a second, but if you believe that the Bible is the word of God, your job for your life is not to just say, well, this is how I feel about what you're saying is true. Have you ever felt something really strongly and been completely wrong? Oh, but you changed, and now your feelings are calibrated, and you're never going to make a feeling mistake again for the rest of your life, right? No. Our feelings are clearly not trustworthy. Just because everybody around you, we were saying this last time, we could be on social media, and what, what makes something true? Is it that everybody else agrees with it? Well, what if th that, that can feel like a very easy and convenient way to determine what's true because you see enough people around you doing it, so you feel like that must be true? Well, uh, you ever hear about the Nazis? <laughs> Clearly, groups of people can be thinking something is right and true and not only just be wrong, be calling good or calling evil good. We could find ourselves in a culture where we've been so filled with perspectives that we maybe just take as a baseline of like, well, no, that's just right. That's just normal. But based on what? And what the reason why we even started this series is to say, I do not believe that you can actually justify anything as absolutely true or good or right apart from God? That's a big philosophical question that if you want to get into more with me later, we could talk. But apart from God, how can I make sense of this world around me when I'm this little person with these little experiences, not even trusting that the way my brain works is properly, you know, understanding everything that's happening around me, Unless God spoke, then who are we to say that anything is actually true or right or real? The, the beautiful thing about Christianity is God himself spoke. God himself said, you don't have to walk in the dark and try to just feel your way through life based on what other people around you are thinking and saying or based on it. No, God is saying, you, I'm going to give you truth and I'm going to change you so that you align with my truth. And so, sex. <laughs> this is the message in the culture that we are surrounded. We have undergone in America, in the West, in the last 60, 70, 80 years, what people have called a sexual revolution. A revolution is what? It's taking something, some system that existed and tearing it down and flipping it upside down, right? What we have done as a culture in the last 80 years is we've taken the idea of sex, which formerly had very clear boundaries. There was a commonly understood way of, well, this is what's right, this is what's wrong. This is what it should be, this is what it shouldn't be. And what we've been slowly moving towards as a society is sex is about you being you. Life is about following your heart. You're never going to be happy unless you do what you feel. So sex, obviously sexual desires are some of the strongest desires that we experience as humans. So that means the only way that you could ever live a fulfilled life is by exploring and satisfying your sexual desires. If you are not satisfying your sexual desires, why? Because some people are telling you that you shouldn't. Well, why are you letting those people control you? 
Who are they? What do they know? They're just trying to uphold systems that oppress people, and that's why they're putting these claims on your life of you should and you shouldn't do that. But who are they to tell you? You know what you should do. You know what you feel, and it is your privilege and duty in life to not let anyone else control your sexuality. Follow your desires. Follow your heart, and that's the way to live an authentically happy and fulfilled life. Do we hear some truth in that? Like the messaging of that is like the culture we're kind of living around, right? We hear that to some extent. It's reinforced left and right everywhere we look. You can't watch a single Netflix show anymore without just getting wildness thrown in your eyes, right? Like me and my wife, (laughs) we only watch Korean dramas anymore because that's the only place that's safe. (laughs) There's nowhere else to go, (laughs) There's, I watch, like, Korean dramas, and I watch, like, Sing 2 with my baby sister. That's about it. <laughs> because just about anything else you watch is messaging, filling your eyes, saying, trying to empower you to say, take your life into your own hands. Like, make moves. Do what's going to make you happy. Um, sexuality is given to us. Almost like, you know, we say Christians have the gospel. This is what will bring you fulfillment. Part of the messaging of this world, one of the pillars of what living a a fulfilled life entails is being sexually fulfilled. And if you're not, then that means you are living an inauthentic and less than fulfilled life. So that is the messaging of the world, reinforced in the music we listen to, reinforced in what we watch. No, No matter where we are, we're having to try to make sense of all of this stuff that's coming into our brains about what is sex, what's its purpose, what, is, what should my, its, its role in my life look like. And so, again, the point of the series is this is the message of the world, but Jesus has an entirely different thing to say about your life. And again, if this is true, that Jesus is God, And that means he created you and designed you and made you for a purpose. Then what he says about what's going to bring you fulfillment in life probably should be the most important thing that you try to make sense of, if that's true, right? And so what does Jesus say before even about sex, just about fulfillment? In John 10.10, he says, the thief talking about the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. John 7, 37 says this. It's talking about a story when Jesus is talking to a big group of people. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow out of them. So let's just take the two claims that Jesus makes here. Number one, I came that you would have life to the full. Number two, anyone who believes in me, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Come and believe and rivers of living water will flow from you. This is the message we'll get from culture a lot of times. You have needs. You have a sexual appetite. This is something that's been so instilled into our minds through the messaging that sexuality is maybe one of the most essential parts of who we are and how we find fulfillment in life, that sex is gone. This is a very modern way of talking about it. It's like you have an appetite. It's like, Almost like you, in the same way that you need food, you need air, you need sex. And if you're not having some kind of gratification, whether that's through sexual relationships, through pornography, all different kinds of ways that we find some degree of sexual gratification, um, if you're not doing that, it's like you're starving yourself. It's like you're just like a desert, just dry, and you're just wasting away. It's the message we get from the world. But Jesus says, are you thirsty? Come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from without them. And so on one hand, you have the culture get you to believe that your identity is in your sexual desires and your fulfillment in life is in large part tied up with how you satisfy those desires. On the other hand, you have Jesus saying, are you thirsty? Come, believe, and rivers of living water are going to begin to flow from you. Think of that contrast. Jesus is saying, because I created you, because you were made for me, if you come and you're restored into relationship with me, then literally nothing else in this world could make there be lack or dryness in your soul. You're not going to just be like a fairly well-watered garden. It's like you're going to be a fountain. You're going to be overflowing with life and what you were created for. Why? If your life has these boxes checked, if you have this kind of job, this money, this kind of relationship, this kind of sex life, fill in the blank, that's how you're going to be full? No. If you believe in me, I will come and I will fill you with what you were created for. So Jesus is making a claim here that all of the things that you look at your life and you say, ah, I'm not okay because fill in the blank. I don't have this. I don't have that. Jesus is looking and saying, you're misdiagnosing yourself. The reason why there's dryness in your heart isn't because you don't have some material thing. It's because you don't have me. You were created for me. I made you so that you wouldn't find life anywhere outside of the one who created you. And if you're not living in me and filled with my life, then there's that dryness. You're missing those rivers of living water that your heart needs. Listen to this in John 14, 27. It says this. Jesus, as he's ascending to go back to heaven, says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as this world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. And so real quick, I want to just point us to what that word really means. Interestingly, in the Bible, of course, it's been translated, right? There's sometimes words that, although they're inspired by God, there's depths to the meaning that we can kind of explore together and begin to learn that is not just like the word that I associate my connotation with. There's like so much richness to it. So the word that peace biblically is talking about is this, shalom. Look at somebody next to you and hit them with a shalom. All right. So what does shalom mean? You've probably heard that. That's a word that's still really commonly used in, uh, it's obviously Hebrew, right? Um, But what does the word shalom mean? It's peace, but it's not the kind of peace that you and I are used to describing when we talk about peace. When we talk about peace, it's like, ah, I'm, you know, feeling a little anxious, but I hopped in my car and took a drive and saw the sunset, and I just felt a little peace in my soul. It's like, that's good, (laughs) good for you, but we need a little bit more than what just looking at a sunset can give us sometimes, right? The things that we sometimes associate with what makes us feel a sense of peace, I would challenge you today in saying that's actually a very limited, hollow, empty version of what the actual thing is that you were created for. Jesus says, my shalom, I leave with you. What does this word shalom mean? It means, it's a beautiful word. It means completely whole, lacking not a single thing. So it's something that is, it's perfectly whole. It's not missing anything, right? So what is Jesus saying here? The peace that he came to give us. He says, it's not like what you find elsewhere in this world. The peace that I came to give you, it is a kind of peace that when you have it, there's nothing, there's not a single thing in this world that you need to fill in the gaps or the cracks, Jesus is saying, the life that I came, died on the cross, 
for you to know if you would believe in my gospel and trust me. It is going to perfectly satisfy your soul. You were made for me, and for the first time, you can have what you were made for. It's not anything that you can hold. It's not anything you could find here in this world. That's why Jesus says, the peace that I leave you, it's not like the, what this world can give you. So many of us, we settle for these ideas. It's like we're looking for peace, and then we're not connected to God. We're not getting what we were created for. And so we settle for the next best thing that we can find. We settle for things that medicate our soul but don't fill it. We have to keep coming back for more. We, it's high, low, high, low. It's feeling broken, and then it's like, ah, I got to go back to that thing so I can just feel better for a second. I'm good. Ah, I got to go back to that thing. And it's like that's the story of literally all of our lives when we're not getting the peace that we were created for. Because my heart and your heart, it's a vacuum. It's like it's going around just trying to find something that's going to satisfy it because we were created to be satisfied. That's why when we sang that song, if it stirred any kind of beauty in your heart, it's because literally that is what you were made for, the peace of God. So this is what Jesus is saying today. The shalom peace that I came to give you, it leaves you lacking nothing. Apply that to every situation in your life for a second. All of the areas where we are losing peace, anxious, angry, frustrated, and it's because of this, that person. Oh, if I die, girlfriend just saw what she had. She gave up way too quick on me. I'm, I'm more of a keeper than she knows. And it's just life is just this constant thing of, ah, if only I had that. I was so close that one time. But there's the next thing. Once I get that thing, then I'm going to be good. And then it's just this constant, like, moving the goal line of, like, what's going to bring satisfaction? But do you actually know peace? Have you ever lived in peace? Back to sex. So this is what Jesus is saying. But Jesus is saying the fulfillment that you were created for is not found in anything other than me, including sex. Last point, I'll make it this actually really quick. Do you guys know a guy named Jesus was single? You guys know uh, there's another guy named Paul. He kind of like wrote the Bible. He was single too. If you read through the Bible, there is person after person after person after person where they were single and not just single playing the field. <laughs> they were single and <laughs> that killed her. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, uh, they were single, but they, what we're going to talk about in a second they were living a life sexually in line with what God said it was supposed to look like. But it's interesting because you see somebody like Paul. Here Paul is. He is not only not very sexually fulfilled, uh, he's living in prison. And interestingly, in a prison cell, in the middle of being beaten, deprived of a lot of different things, like his life aesthetically and circumstantially was probably about as bad as things could be. And guess what he said in the middle of that? I've learned the secret to contentment. I lack nothing. How could somebody be in a prison cell and say, I'm not just okay. Like, I'm whole. I don't need a single thing right now. You can keep whatever it is, your pity, whatever. Like, I have peace. Do you know that peace tonight? And so, next, what does God say about sex? Where first, we've just made clear, fulfillment, that Jesus makes the claim, I am your fulfillment. What's the relationship with that to sex? Well, obviously, our sexual practice, our lives, can often look like a search for some kind of fulfillment through sex. So we see the connection for right there. But what does God say about sex? Jesus, in Matthew 19, 4 through 5, says this. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. 
and they and the two are united into one. So we're going to make sense of that in one second. But as we're sitting here, a lot of the times the way we can frame sex, or um, forgive me, forgive me, the way we can frame sin is we can sometimes think that God is maybe like a parent that you had growing up or an authority figure that you've had in your life. Have you ever had anybody who would set rules for you that it's like they had power over you so you had to follow them, but they didn't make any sense? You know those parents where it's like they'll let their kids, you know, do like horrible things, but they'll be like, oh, but you can't eat popcorn you're like, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. Like they'll, let, like a kid, they'll let their child smoke weed, but they're like, ah, I saw this one article where popcorn's, I don't even know. I'm just coming up with this on the spot, guys. Just bear with me, please. But you get what I'm saying. The principle of there's sometimes authority figures in power who just arbitrarily just say, this is what you have to do. And a lot of times it doesn't even make sense. And you're like, why do I have to follow what you're saying? A lot of times it's very possible for us to feel that way with God that he is looking at our lives and saying, this is sin, and this is how I'm calling you to live, and this is the life, it's not a, a, a negotiable. It's like, this is what I'm calling your life to look like. And so a lot of times we can hear that and be like, God, I want to do that, though. <laughs> like, I disagree with you. You say that's bad, but I feel that that's actually good. Um, you know, we can feel like God is just randomly saying some things are good, some things are bad, and it's just our job to just, I guess, go along with it because he's God. Can I tell you this today? God is not arbitrary or random in what he says is sin and what he says is life. Do you know the Bible says he loves you? The Bible says if he didn't spare his own son but gave him generously for you, Will he not also give you everything you need? God is in the business of bringing wholeness and peace and life. That verse we read, he said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you would have life in the full. So what does that mean? A lot of times, we can think if God gives us a certain command of what our life is supposed to look like, that, well, I'm not sure God of the universe who created everything, I'm not sure you're actually right about that because this is what I feel can I tell you this? Anything that God calls sin, it's for a reason. It's not just random that he says you can't do it because I don't want you to. Here's a verse in, uh, in James. James chapter 1. It says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Death. This is what God is saying to each. Sin isn't bad. I'm not trying to keep you from it just because I have some power trip over your life that I don't want you to have good things that you might want. I'm trying to keep you from what will destroy you. Sin is not randomly bad. When we are living in sin, the Bible says the trajectory of it is finding ourselves in a place of destruction and death. And that could be, like, in a, a literal way. Like, of course, sin can lead to real death. But the death that God is talking about in this is you were created for life in God. When you're living in sin, you were cut off from the life that you were created for, and all you're left with is death. And so when we look at sin, and sometimes we wonder, well, is that really bad? Like, God, are you sure? Why, why are you telling me I can't maybe go down this path? God, in his love, is saying, you're chasing pleasure that's going to lead you off a cliff. You're trying to medicate your soul with something that I want to fill and help you and, and fill you with. But here you are trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction, chasing pleasure, and then boom, you're gone. That is what sin does in our life. It's not random. Like, it's a natural consequence that sin leads to death in our lives. And so... This verse, it says, God made them, man and woman, that they would be united as one. Today in culture, sex is almost taken down to a level where it's just some, 
it's almost like the same as a handshake to a lot of people. I've heard people say. There's no strings attached. There's no other factors at play. It's about your pleasure. And if you go ahead and chase your sexual fulfillment, then good for you. As, and the, the ethic that drives morality right now around sex and culture is as long as there's consent involved, all sex is good for you. And what that implies is just here I am going through my life, just handshaking a lot of people that are making me happy, and there we go. I lived a good life. But this is what God says is involved in sex. He brought two people together that they would be united as one. This is the main point I want to share with you just about sex. Sex is not just some pleasurable physical exchange. Sex is spiritual. Anybody who may have some degree of past experiences that surround that, if, if that ethic is true that we hear in culture, that as long as consent is involved, then that means that sex is good for you, well, how about all of the brokenness and emptiness and lives kind of falling apart because of sex gone wrong? There was consent involved. There were people, we just love each other, but somehow through that process, there was a breaking that happened in our lives, right? We, anybody who's lived long enough in this world knows sex is more than just, there, there's something deeper in the connection that, that comes that's involved in that. And what the Bible says about that is that sex brings oneness. What is oneness? There's some spiritual mysterious God doesn't fully explain for us what it means, but it's this uniting of two people into one. And what God is talking about in this context is that this is marriage, that for your life, I want to give you a gift of sex, that the primary purpose of it isn't that you would just have pleasure. It's that with the person that you are married to, there will be oneness that will come from it. The primary, listen to this, the primary purpose God gave to sex and brought pleasure in it as a blessing. It's a gift to people. But that is not the primary purpose of sex. The Bible lays it out right here. It's oneness. And that's why the Bible makes it so clear that any sexual activity outside of a lifelong covenant of marriage where that oneness can be protected, it's not a oneness where people can come together and be exploited where people come together because of their vulnerabilities and then before they know it, they're being ripped apart and it's doing damage to their soul in different ways. The reason why God designed it for marriage is because that's where that oneness, the spiritual action of that happening is safe and it's a blessing to the marriage. And so the Bible defines sexual immorality as all sexual activity outside of the oneness of marriage. Again, now this is where it can begin to start getting confrontational. This is where we want to push back. Because this is a direct assault on what a lot of us find a lot of the fulfillment maybe in our life from. That God would make a claim that you're not allowed to get maybe the pleasure that you feel that you're entitled to until you find yourself in a position of marriage. That might be offensive to some of you. But again, to go back to what we've been saying from the beginning, if this is the word of God, and God made you and loves you, then that means what he has laid out is not oppressive, it's not limiting, it's not with some intent to hurt you, it's actually with the intent to make you whole and lead you into the life you were created for. And so what this implies then is that to live a whole life actually requires a certain degree of sexual repression. Nobody can ever live in sexual freedom, chasing all of their sexual desires, and ever know peace. Nobody. You might know pleasure, you'll never know peace. Because when we start taking sex from what God says it's supposed to be, we take it for ourselves to use it how we want it. We're pretty much saying, God, you're no longer the God of this area. I'm the God of this. And if you're the God of that area of your life, then guess what? God isn't going to come and be your servant. There's no way you can walk in the peace and the life of God and fit into what you say life needs to look like. 
He says, do you want me? Then I need to be your God. I am the one who gets to protective and lovingly lead you and guide you and show you what your life is supposed to look like. But I want to encourage you guys today. There's no us saying to God, yeah, I know that's what you say, but I'm actually going to go my own way. If, if that's what you see has maybe happened in your life or maybe where your heart is today, don't expect God to follow. Don't expect to find the peace that you were created for. And so the last verse I want to share with you guys, there's a verse in uh, 1 Corinthians that says, don't let there be a hint of sexual immorality in your life. So what does that mean to us? God takes sexual immorality as a very serious thing. He, not out of him being some unfair, oppressive, mean father in the sky, but because he loves us, he wants to protect us, and he's in the business of leading us into the life we were created for. So God doesn't really tolerate and just negotiate with us. Where he's like, all right, yeah, you could roll your way for maybe the next 10 years and then you know, circle back around and we'll see what we could do. It's not how God does things. It says, let there not be a hint. Why? Right here. It says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So this is now a message to Christians, people who have put their faith in Jesus. The Bible says when we do that, he literally puts himself in our hearts. But why is it now as a Christian something that God says, let there not be a single trace or hint of it in your life? It's because he says, your body is now my temple. Like I died on the cross so I could fill you with me. And if there are things that I'm saying can't coexist with me that you're going to hold on to, I can't fill your heart. And so here is where I want to begin to wrap up with you guys. I know this is very intense, but I think this is really important stuff. And I think that this is one of those talks, what we're about to get to. This really isn't even about sex anymore. We're about to go from here. What we're about to get into right now, I believe with my entire heart, is something that could lead each of us into more of that shalom peace and life that Jesus says he died on a cross for you to have. So Jesus is saying, don't let there be a hint of sexual immorality in your life. God wants you to live holy. God wants you to walk in victory. How do we do it? How if, we're, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know very well that just because you're a Christian does not mean that there is no temptation that you face in your life. Yeah? Temptation comes in all forms, all different kinds of, of ways. There's temptation to anger. There's temptation to fear. There's temptation to steal, to have greed, to be proud, there's all kinds of temptations that we as believers face in our lives. One thing I want to point us to really quick, I think this is such an interesting verse. In Mark 7.21, it says this, For from within a person's heart comes evil thoughts and sexual immorality. A lot of times we can frame the temptations that we face in the area of sexual sexuality. That could be relationships, that could be pornography, fill in the blank. A lot of times we frame it in the same way that the world tells us to frame it. As I have this appetite and this drive that if I don't satisfy it somehow, I'm literally like not even going to be able to think, I'm not going to be able to be healthy. Like you look at literal WebMD will say if you don't use masturbation in your life, to a certain level that you're, that's not healthy for you. And so that's the messaging we get from the world, that this is some need that I have, that I, God, you know, I'm, I really love you. I'm trying my best to not meet these needs that I have. This is what this verse says. 
within your heart comes sexual immorality. So it's not just some body drive that you have. Of course, that's a part of it, but it goes even deeper than that. The areas that we are tempted to begin to pursue sexual immorality, that's not as much of an issue of your body as it is an issue of your heart. What does that mean? That means just like every other issue that you and I face in our life, have you been tempted in any way in your life? What's, what, what is temptation? It's us hearing uh, a thought in our mind of this is what you need. Go cheat on a test. Go watch that. Go the, the, don't, don't serve this person or whatever. There, there's so many different kinds of temptations that you and I face in our life. But what is temptation really? It's us hearing that the needs of your heart are going to be met by something rather than from God. What is temptation? It's me hearing from the enemy, from even myself, that, okay, I don't have complete peace in my heart and in my life right now. And what's going to fix it is this. And so we begin to struggle with temptation. And our life is just this thing of like, ah, I'm, I feel so weak, this thing. I've tried to overcome it, but it just continues to have control over my life. You could be a Christian today and be discouraged, just saying like, okay, you're saying sexual morality is not good. I know that, but I've been trying to not live this way. I've been trying to overcome these things, and I feel like I'm just running into a wall. I feel like I'm stuck. And one sidebar, we're about to close right now, um, but one last thing with this as well. As I'm saying all this, I hope you guys all know, this is not also a word tonight of just making you feel shame. This isn't God saying you've blown it. If maybe there's experiences in your past, if your life has looked outside of what God says life in him is supposed to look like, this isn't God just trying to beat you up to say you blew it and your life is going to be horrible now. The point of this message tonight, why did I feel that this had to be shared? It's because God is calling you to something so much greater than what you've ever known. God is calling you to the life that you were literally created for. And the interesting thing about it is he meets us where we are, but then he pulls us to where he is, and he changes our life. And today, there's no shame, there's no condemnation for you as you're hearing this. If maybe you've made mistakes, if maybe there's been moments in the past where things have happened and you could feel shame, can I tell you right now, Jesus loves you. God is so rich in mercy and in forgiveness. He's not holding things against you, saying, well, you blew it and you've missed out on me. He's saying, come to me tonight. I have something so much better for you. And so this is what we're closing in on now. How do we live in victory over temptation? Again, we said temptation is having these desires that begin to be stirred up in our heart of, I'm tempted to think outside of the way I know I'm supposed to be thinking God. I'm tempted to do outside of what I know God has called me to do. It's if I watch this, if I go to that person, if I text that guy, if I whatever, then I'm going to find peace. Can I tell you tonight, the Bible gives us two prescriptions for living in victory over temptation. Number one is this. Every time we see a biblical prescription of how to walk in victory over sexual morality, the first thing is always flee. You know, God doesn't want to give you strength to like sit in front of what is tempting you and just bear it in, a lot of times it's like we think like, God, your strength looks like me walking on the edge and then you just helping me stay balanced. What victory in God looks like, he wants to help you stay as far away from things that could potentially lead you to stumble as possible. So number one, a lot of us here, pornography might be a very big issue in our lives. I was talking with somebody recently, and I think I even said this a couple weeks ago at community night. A lot of times we're saying, God, fill me, help me not do this again. But then we spend our entire lives sitting and watching and filling our minds with things that only just stir up sin in our hearts. There's a biblical principle. You reap what you sow. So what you feed grows. If you're living a life where you're saying, I don't even care, God, if, I, if you wouldn't want me being in this relationship, watching these things, 
I'm not interested in you leading me out of these things. I just want you to give me the strength so that I don't mess up while I'm in the middle of them. Can I tell you that's you using God to just save you from the consequences of your sin while you could still do it? What Jesus wants to do is give you freedom by leading you away from the things that are going to cause you to stumble. And can I tell you tonight, we're going to get to this right now, he's so much better than whatever you think that thing does for you. So he wants to keep us away. He tells us, flee from immorality. But this is the second thing. He says, peace I leave to you. It's not like what this world gives you. Apply that now to every single thing that you look at and you say, I feel broken, I feel unfulfilled, I feel angry, I feel anxious, and the reason is what? Fill in the blank in your mind right now. What's the thing that you think is going to make you whole? Can I tell you the message of Jesus to your heart tonight is this. Would you stop wasting your time letting these things destroy you when you were created for me? You're chasing fulfillment. I'm your fulfillment. Some of us tonight, our, our sexual immorality, this is really the main point of my message tonight. Sexual immorality, along with all other kinds of sins in our life, are really just symptoms of us not having what we were created for in God. Because you don't have the peace you were created for, you have to run to the cheap, fake option that, that's sitting right there. Because you don't have God's love filling your heart, you have to run to some other relationship that you know is definitely not worth your time, but at least it makes you feel not lonely anymore. Because you have such a horrible self-image, maybe you're going to go and position yourself around people where you almost want to have that oneness with them because that's going to make you feel whole and affirmed in some way. You don't have any joy in your life. And so you have to keep running back to porn or other things that will medicate your soul because this is what, this is the best thing I can grab onto that will somehow fix what's happening in here. Can I tell you tonight, guys, you were made for Jesus. Jesus is literally the satisfaction that you were created for. He says, come to me, believe in me, and rivers of living water are going to flow from you. When you are receiving what you were created for from Jesus, not only do you not lack anything, you're overflowing. When you're receiving what you were created for from Jesus, you are no longer defined by anything that has ever happened in your life, any circumstance, anything that people have ever said or done to you, no longer controls the peace of your heart because you have what you were created for. I hope it's quiet because we're sent. I hope we're not going to bed. But... I think tonight, what I want to encourage you guys in, and I'm actually going to call up Esteban and Amy, and we're going to sing that song, and I'm going to lead us in prayer. But this is the bottom line. We don't come to these meetings just so that we can feel happy for a second and then just go back on our merry way for the rest of our lives, back to our garbage, back to the, the alternatives we turn to aside from God, hoping that they're going to satisfy us, but, but they never do. Can I tell you this tonight? Do you have peace? Do you have that shalom that Jesus said, I'm leaving to you, that when you believe in me, I want to give you? I want to share this with you tonight. God is not withholding that from you. His arms are open. And he's saying, in a moment, if you would turn to me, put your trust in me, Turn from the other things that you look to that clearly are not getting the job done and recognize you were made for me. That the sin that you're holding on to, you've already seen the effects that it has on your life. It doesn't do anything for you. But I'm going to free you to live in what you were made for, which is me. I, I want to begin this now. Amy, you can come up. I want to just give us an opportunity tonight to just make an exchange with God. You know, you don't have to do anything crazy to get the peace of God. God isn't like, all right, if you, it's not like the dog show where he's like walking you on a leash and if you jump through like a couple hoops and like kick your tail back and whatever, then he's like, all right, they're doing good, they're killing it, they've earned my peace now and I'm going to give them a little treat. 
do realize there's nothing that you can give to God, but tonight he wants to give everything to you. You and I have a long time ago, because of our sin, disqualified ourselves from God's love, from his peace. We have made ourselves the gods of our own lives, and we have said to God, go take your, your thing somewhere else. But God, even in the middle of us turning away from him, says, I'm still here. Would you turn back to me tonight? I want to give you what you were created for. I'm better than that relationship, than that job that you lost out on, than the way you just scroll through all of your hours just trying to distract yourself from the pain inside of your heart. This is what the Bible says. By his stripes, we're healed. When Jesus on a cross, taking the punishment for our sin, he, while he was being tortured, he was doing that so that we could be healed. That's the message of Jesus for your heart tonight. Is there brokenness in your life? Have you been through it? Is there self-hatred? Is there all of these anxious and angsty thoughts that are just waging war in your soul that you're just trying to medicate and keep down? There is healing and peace and hope in Jesus today. And Jesus wants to set you free. He will change everything. What do you do? What's your job in all of this? This is the gospel, and this is the last thing I'm going to share with you guys tonight. What's the gospel? It's the story of how we find our salvation and fulfillment in Jesus. It's that we have sinned because we have tried to be the gods of our own lives. We have cut ourselves off from the God that we were created for, and we're stuck now apart from him. Nothing you can do can make him your God again. But God who loved you, who loves you with his entire heart, sends Jesus to come, die on a cross, take the punishment that your sin deserves, and give you his account of being a child of God. So what does that mean for my life and your life today? That wherever you are, no matter how good you've been in your mind or how bad you think you've been in your mind, Jesus is saying today, stop trying to chase other things. Don't even try to be good for me. You can't be good apart from me helping you. Would you just come to me and recognize today, I'm the one you were created for. Will you take your heart from all of the other things that you've been giving it to, and would you now just come tonight and give it to me? And as you do that, the peace that I'm going to leave with you is the peace that you were created for. For each of our lives today, whether you're not a Christian, Jesus wants to change your life tonight. If you are a Christian, that doesn't mean you're living in the peace of God. Maybe you're still look, turning to all of these other things to medicate what Jesus wants to fill with his peace. We're going to sing this song right now, but as we do, would we all just close our eyes? We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To connect with us, visit our ministry page at brooklyntabernacle.org or you can follow us on our Instagram at sanctusnyc.org.